Hello. Welcome to the We Are Kids podcast, where we talk about therapy, therapy practices, and best ways to support, empower, and help others become the author of their own story. I'm your host, Casey Smith, and I hope you enjoy this podcast, and please subscribe for more content. Today is October 9th, 2019. So as you all know, typically on our podcast, we talk about therapy, therapy models, and practical ways to invoke change. However, today I would like to invoke a little bit of a different lens, um, which isn't as much if, if you do read up on the We Are Kids blog. We do typically write about some pretty political things. And so today I want to go back to that by talking about our current sitting president, Donald Trump. And the reason that I want to talk about this is because I've been looking at a lot of his recent emails. And the emails that he sends are very, I would say, interesting, but they also say a lot about who he has been and who he has been as a politician. And I think one thing that both the left and the right, when they talk about Donald Trump that they miss is the fine-tuning, the fine detail. You know, we take all these things and we look at them as a bigger picture. And I think the interesting thing that I wish more therapists would talk about is it really is about the smaller stuff that he does, that his administration does, that other people do. Now, as I start talking about this, one thing that I want to mention is I am a registered unaffiliated. I believe in some very centrist point of views, I think that, for the most part, we need to be looking at both sides. I think as a therapist, I tend to lean to the left a little bit, just because social work is inherently left-focused, just in the way that, you know, healthcare, Medicare, all those things, especially now, have all been, you know, pushed to the left-leaning side. Um, but in this, I, I, I want to try to stay in the middle and talking about some of these issues and some of the things that the president invokes. So I want to start by reading you an email from President Trump. Uh, so this is about his upcoming VIP All Access. Um, and he starts the email by talking about his huge rally that's going to happen on October 17th. So I'm not going to you know, pick apart every outline of this one email. Um, we may do that at a later base, depending on, you know, if that's something that people are interested in. But one of the things that, as you read on, I, I will read the full email. One of the things that, as you read this email, you will probably catch up on is, as I raise my voice, those are words that are in bold. Um, and there's a reason that he does it that we'll talk about a little bit later in this podcast. And... I'm not going to talk about his contributions or anything else, but uh, let's, let's start reading the email, and then let's see what you guys have to say. So the email starts by saying, Casey, did you see President Trump's email? He's holding a huge rally in Dallas, Texas on October 17th, and he noticed you still hadn't entered to win this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. The president has a few important things to share about this phony witch hunt and impeachment scam, and he really wants you to be there. Remember, if you win, you'll get to bring a guest, we'll cover your flight, we'll cover your hotel, you'll have full VIP backstage access, and you'll meet President Trump. 
please contribute any amount today to be automatically entered to win this exclusive opportunity and meet President Trump. The fake news and Democrats will continue to lie to try and get ahead, but not President Trump. He will always be transparent with the people. The president wants this trip to be extra special, so you'll even get a picture with him at this rally. It'll be a day neither of you ever forgets. Please contribute any amount immediately to be automatically entered to win this VIP package. And then, later on, which I'm not going to read, he forwards, at most of his emails, he forwards another email about whatever social cause or whatever thing that he's trying to draw attention to that day. So in this case, at the bottom of this email, he goes on to talk about pursuing the impeachment witch hunt and mentions his rally again and then asks for a contribution again and just continues to kind of go down this. But the interesting thing is, is at the bottom of this email, at the bottom of most emails, he always ends with, we're going to do this, we're looking at this, so enter, donate, ETC, very soon. Now, I think the interesting thing is, is much like Lundy Bancroft's uh, Why Does He Do That? Donald Trump does do a lot of abusive things in his language. He does these things where even when he's talking in a positive way to you, as this email kind of says, it's always urgent. It's always, we need this, you'll do this, you'll never forget. Um, you know, we want you in, in person. There's always some form of an attack, a backdoor, something that on the surface you're like, oh, that's kind of nice. He's really trying to pay attention. I want her to pay attention. And to most people who don't listen, and I don't say not listen, but I think most people who just hear what he's saying and don't understand the context of double speaker language or what he's actually saying, it doesn't come across that way. It comes off as racist, bigoted, so on and so forth. And, you know, one side or another may have an opinion about that. I think the one thing that we all should pay attention to, though, is no matter what he does, it's about confusion. That's really the biggest piece of Donald Trump. It's about confusion. It's not about pinning one person against another. I think that's what we all think it is. You know, he wants this party to be against this party. He wants that to be against that. He wants to name call and name blame and do this and do that. But if you read even his Twitter on a day-to-day -day purpose, the one thing that you can continue to see is he just continues to change subjects. He doesn't stick on anything for an extended period of time. It's one thing, it's another thing, it's this, it's that, and you know, for the left, this is great. You know, the left has all these social causes and all these things that are important and that they talk about, and it's great because we, you know, we need that. We need to be talking about all these issues. We need to be having the conversation, and I wish we could do that more. The problem is nobody ever sticks on a subject long enough. The right just attacks the left, and then they go on one or two specific things and dig in their heels because a lot of that is what you know is, is what they are. They do have very fine tooth comb. This is my belief. This is what I'm going to stick to, and I'm not going to move from it. And I think part of that stems from just a difference of you know fundamental beliefs and the fundamental perception of the right and the left and religion. And I'm not going to get into all of that, but. I do believe that while we're having 
this conversation, we have to talk about how do we center the conversation into keeping it centered and having some form of a debate about one topic at a time instead of three to four topics at a time. And that's something that Donald Trump has done for years. Even when he was a reality TV star, even when he was younger, he's always been very, very good about switching subjects, about making it multiple things. And this goes back to his mentor, you know, Roy Cohen, who was part of the McCarthyism era, who did a lot of this, I'm going to, you know, stir the pot, I'm going to accuse people of random things, I'm going to name call, and if that doesn't work, I'm just going to sue you. And that, that was Roy Cohen's thing. It was part of the McCarthy era, that's all that that basically was for that extended period of time, was just, you know, a bunch of mumbo-jumbo, we're going to switch it up, we're going to accuse here and there, we're never going to stay on the same subject, and we're just going to keep it moving. And it's smart, as we're seeing, you know, the one thing that I think people don't give Trump enough credit for, people want to say he's a buffoon, he's an idiot, he's this and that, and it's clear that, you know, he's a great example of high society and, you know, skating through school, his grammar's not great, he doesn't talk polished, he, you know, regardless of how you may see it, if some of the reports are true and he's lost a billion dollars, he's not really a great businessman, I think he's a risk taker. And I think that that's the biggest, one of the biggest things that really actually draws people to him. It's not that he's any of these things. They say that on the surface, but it's he's a risk taker. He's not politically correct. He's not this, he's not that, he's you know, led a life, you know, he's not polished. And I think one of the things that people, when they look at Barack Obama, they look at, you know, he's polished, he's nice, he's respectable, we don't have to worry about what he's going to say next. And personally, I was, you know, I'm a fan of Barack Obama. I thought and still think he's great. Um, it's not to say that I think his closet is completely clean because I still think, you know, he's definitely had scandals and he's definitely had things that he's done. But I do think on some level Trump has invoked this confusion. You know, it's what do we focus on? What do we do? How do we do this? We're used to politicians being able to just stick on one subject for an entire time. You know, even with, you know, Bill Clinton, you know, in his scandals, for example, it was all about, you know, when a scandal hit, it was one or two scandals that stemmed over a period of time. It's a new scandal every week. It's a new tweet. It's a new thing. And I think part of that is, you know, being unfiltered, being a confusing person, being someone who enjoys it, and I do think he, you know, I do think Trump enjoys it. I think he enjoys creating confusion, creating dismay, making people talk, and just seeing who's going to go further and then using it against them. Because the more that he can get you to talk and the more confusing he can be, he can try to draw it into a bigger picture. This is something we see a lot with and even adolescent youth who struggle with, you know, certain disorders. They do a lot of things that people don't see behind the curtain. And then once you pull back the curtain and you see that the problem is happening at school and at home and out in the community, you're like, oh, this is actually a theme. This is actually, it's happening more, and we have to tackle it from that lens. And Trump is the same way. When you realize that these things, they're not just one-dimensional. They're, you know, Trump isn't just a confusing person as a president. He was a confusing person as a reality TV star. He was a confusing person as a husband. You know, he's had four wives. 
he's been a confusing person even kind of as a parent. He's a lot of different things. And that's one of the biggest problems that people have when they talk about him is they try to narrow it down. Um, you know, to bring in some pop culture into this even, the Joker's a great example. It's not to say that Donald Trump is the Joker, but in a lot of ways he is and invokes that same spirit. The Joker has this past that people are just always wondering about and asking about. And whenever anybody gets close or does something or he thinks that he's going to be trapped, he does something outlandish. You know, spoiler for any person who does watch, uh, did watch The Joker, a great example of this is when he was on the train and he was boxed in, he immediately shot. And he didn't shoot, you know, the three people who were attacking him just because, hey, they're the, you know, I need to protect myself or it's just going to happen. He just did it. It just happened. At least that's how I kind of viewed it. So, and I think a lot of that is even what you see now is you see when Trump is backed into a corner, when he's forced to actually talk about his facts, when he's forced to do this, he does what all politicians do, and he double speaks and does this, but then he does something different. Then he seeks to turn it around, then he seeks to move it around, and, and that's why Kellyanne Conway, for example, has been a great person with him, because Kellyanne Conway does the same thing. She creates this confusion, she narrates it, she changes it and makes it into something where there's never a fine-tooth point of exactly what he's saying. It's always, well, maybe he said this, maybe he didn't say this, maybe this was part of it. This Ukraine phone call, for example, is something that, you know, there's so many different opinions on so many different sides about what it actually is. The one thing that we don't see is when you talk about Trump and you talk about confusion and you talk about mental health and you talk about language, this phone call is exactly who Trump is. It's part of this bigger picture. You know, he's been accused already of dealings with foreign policymakers. He's been accused already of, you know, corruption, of digging dirt, of doing all of these things. So instead of ignoring it, I think he actually did do the right thing. He released the transcript. So he releases the transcript. People debate over the transcript. They talk about it. And in the transcript, he's right. He never explicitly mentions quid pro quo material. And that's why an impeachment process would be very challenging for the Democrats to prove. Because there's this sense of you can't actually prove something that's not explicitly written. It's kind of like if you get into a car accident and somebody sideswipes you and the insurance company comes and the insurance company says, hey, you hit this person. And they say, no, they hit me. And then the police report writes, it's unclear who wrote it. You can't prove who actually did it. So nobody wins. And that's the thing that Trump loves. And that's the thing that Democrats don't love. So how do we actually move on from this point of view? How do you hold Trump accountable? Well, the first thing is we're on the, I think, you know, we're on the right track. There's this conversation that we have to have about what else is behind the thing. You know, what else is behind this phone call? Which, as we saw, there's more than just the phone call. That's why when you read Trump's tweets, he won't talk about what's behind the phone call. He won't talk about every single person that's behind the phone call. 
he will only mention the whistleblower because the whistleblower is a great example of just one person and it's easy to attack one person. It's not as easy to shut a bunch of other people up. It's why you'll never hear him talk about all the women who have sexually accused him or assaulted him or, um, or not assaulted, that he's assaulted. You'll never hear that. And, and I apologize because I actually just think that I said that they assaulted and I didn't mean that. Um, that he's assaulted or he's been accused of assaulting. So I think we have to, we have to have the conversation about talking about everything that is behind this report, everything that's behind the whistleblower, everything that's behind the new whistleblower, everything that led up to it, everything that's happened after it, the controversies need to step aside and we need to focus on one subject. We need to tear through this confusion and look at what exactly has happened here. Because what really has happened here is it's clear there was a level of quid pro quo. Is it provable? To be honest, no. There's not enough to say, yes, this happened. There's also not enough to say that it didn't. And so the only way to do this is to kind of do exactly what ha of what people do. You know, if enough people come forward and enough people start talking and we start seeing more of a pattern, we do it. And then we move on. Because one thing happens, okay, one thing happens. You know, it goes back to, you, you, can, you can be quiet about one person, you can't be quiet about two people. You can't be quiet about three people, you can't be quiet about four people. Eventually somebody has to say something. And eventually it will come out. And even Trump, you know, obviously as he's, you know, been able to basically skate free against all these people who he has been accused of sexually assaulting, and we look at, like, is there any actual possibility that he's ever held accountable? The answer is yes. The problem is both sides are so dug into their own way that nobody's actually going to do anything until there's so much clear evidence that they believe that they will get reelected because... It's all based in confusion. It's all based in they don't want to confuse their base. Are you for Trump? Are you against Trump? You know, the, the Republicans, they have some diehard people that are for Trump. And if there's anything that sways it, if there's any way that after, you know, they say, hey, we should look into an impeachment inquiry against Trump, and then they go in and they actually say, yes, let's say Lindsey Graham you know, wants an impeachment inquiry against Trump, he's not going to do that unless there's 100% proof. And unless there's 100% proof, you can forget about it because his base and the people that have followed him are diehards. They are people that will never move from their position. They are totally in their one position. Now, on the flip side, you have, you know, people who are big supporters of him as impeachment who will, you know want him out no matter what. There's no reasoning with them either because all they see from their point of view is Trump is all of these things. He's all of these labels. There's all this confusion about all the things that he's done. And that's the thing. There's really not that many confusing things about Trump. Trump is based in fear. He's based in being someone who has consistently shown that even if you are on his side, he will turn on you. He will change. He will try to find something to use against you. 
the problem is there's only one side really talking about it. And yes, there's been some echoes. You know, there's been Ted Cruz has went after him, but, but people look at Ted, Ted Cruz, again, as, as very confusing. Here's they, what I found. They look at Ted, Ted Cruz as a confusing person. He's not somebody that people can say, yeah, you're totally for or against Trump, even though he's went back and forth, because there's been times where he supported him, there's been times that he hasn't. They look at Mitch McConnell. You know, Mitch McConnell is obviously 100% in his corner. That's great. But he's too much of an extremist. He's, you know, too far on one side. And on the flip side of that, there's, there's you know, you have Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders who are obviously very against Trump and they're extremists in their views of, of him. So neither side is going to come to a, a thing. There's no big leader. There's no person who's in the middle who's going to say enough is enough. And the reason is because there's nobody that's stepping up and saying things like this whistleblower. This whistleblower, the reason that it is such a big thing is not because it could actually be an impeachable thing. It's because if these things can actually be corroborated, there's no attacking a whistleblower, ideally, you know, Ideally, a whistleblower, their identity is supposed to be sealed. So there's no attacking them. It's just, did these things happen or did they not happen? Did Trump try to hide this information? Did he do this? Did he do that? And that's what's going to take Trump down. That's where you sway through, the, through all this confusion. The problem is, is the people that are in the Trump administration and the people on the other side, when they write their complaints and they ask these questions, they do it with a very identity politics lens. And you cannot do that especially not with Trump. You know, in other presidencies, you, you couldn't do it, but with him, if you do it like that, you're just going to light the fire and it's just going to make it more, and then it's going to be more confusing because one supporter is going to bring up everything that he's done wrong and the other supporter is going to either ignore or they're going to write about everything that needs to happen. So what is the purpose of mentioning this and what is the purpose of this in relation to therapy? Uh, two things majorly. The first one is the next time we or you, talk to someone about Trump. Try to see what their viewpoints really are. Try to see the pattern in what they say and what they do, how much of what they do is just confusing, and how much of it can be brought down to the, you know, one or two different things that are happening across the spectrum. Because that's where we find out what actually happens and what is actually happening. Uh, one of the things that I really like that I typically do, especially with youth, and I've done it with kids as young as eight, I've done it with you know, teenagers as old as 20, uh, I've done it with some adults, is to go back through a process and to look what was the process that started. It's, uh, I don't really call it a, a, a behavioral chain analysis or even a task analysis. It's kind of like the old peanut butter and jelly thing where you talk about it and you go through step by step and you write the feelings on the side. So you might say, for example, let's say you throw a ball at another person. Okay, well, you didn't just throw a ball. You were playing a game. Great. What were you doing before you were playing the game? What were you feeling before you were playing the, the game? What happened before the game? Who was playing the game? You're looking at everything that was part of it and breaking it down into objective things that happen not subjective and I think that can be tough because again the more you keep out the words you I even really saying their names 
the easier it can get in talking about these subjects with kids, but also when you're talking about Trump. Because if you say Trump, it's a completely different, it brings in a completely different conversation. Um, even if you are talking about Trump, you know, then people either want to defend or not defend. But if you talk about how do we hold politicians accountable, that's a completely different story. So as we move on and until the next podcast, kind of some back work would be look at what happens over the next couple weeks and take apart his tweets line them up, see how many times he uses certain words, listen to his emails, if you can find a speech that is not just hyperboil, but it's actual conversation, look at what is the bigger picture of what he's trying to set up. What is the steps that he's taking to get there? Because that's how we sway through the confusion, and that's how you have a conversation with both sides. That's how you understand his process, and that's how you understand what else occurs. And the same being said, you know, even if you're working with a youth, the same thing. You know, you look at more than just one part of his, their life. You look at the whole picture. You look at the details that are going around, and then you try to base an objective you know, opinion basically on what are the best steps moving forward. Um, well, I thank you very much. If you're still listening to this, we're at about 25 minutes. Uh, I appreciate all of you that have taken the time out of your day to listen to this. Uh, I'm certainly open to some feedback. This is only my second podcast, so I'm hoping to get a little bit better about breaking the time up and hopefully maybe having a little bit better structure. But, you know, as of right now, I'm just dabbling in this, so we will see what the future holds. But as we come to a close, I'd like to remind you all that you can find more content, including blogs, resources for families, therapy models, practices, interventions, and guides by logging on to www.wearekids.org and clicking on the needed link. Thank you so much for being with us. And until next time, be blessed.